Hi! Welcome to What You Read and Do. It's Lauren, Lisa, and Jamie. This is our time to catch up and share what we've been reading and inspired by, hoping to stir some deeper conversations. No one person has time to read every book or listen to everything, but we figure this is a good way to trade ideas, expand our horizons, and maybe inspire you as well. Just a reminder, this is for us, this is for fun, and we are not experts. Enjoy! Just to give you a heads up, the recording you're about to listen to was recorded in late May, uh, so you will hear reference to May as Mental Health Awareness Month. It was at the time of recording, and we are also going to be talking about the Israel-Palestine conflict today, and we recognize that what we discuss is, is somewhat outdated by the time that this goes public, and so... The conversation will be more about general information and, you know, whatever was active at the time of taping. It's a really active and ongoing (laughs) topic, so there constantly changes. But uh, we hope you enjoy it. And also just one disclaimer that we want to get out there, too. These are uh, topics that neither of us are experts in and we may stumble on some verbiage or even at times how to communicate some ideas in really inclusive language. And mm-hmm. we just ask for a little bit of grace. You know, it's in the nature of our organic conversations. Sometimes yeah. we aren't always the best at editing ourselves, but we're learning as we go. If there is something that we did wrong, if you want to correct us in a nice way, feel free to email us and let us know because we aren't going to learn unless someone calls us out on it. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think we all are feeling a little bit vulnerable about posting this, but it <laughs> yes. was important to us to exhibit a learning opportunity mm-hmm. for all of us going through the process of learning about something maybe we're not comfortable with and talking about it and getting more comfortable with that process. Yeah, so not to overhype it, you know, <laughs> jump in, it's fine. Just go into it with all of that in mind. We hope you enjoy. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about this amazing gin and tonic I had from Eighth Day Distillery in Indianapolis. It's really good. good. I got a four pack last weekend, and there's only one left. Obviously, they go fast. (laughs) And they're only open Thursday through Saturday. And I was like, I'm going to have to go back before I leave. So, next weekend. I was telling Jamie, it's like, it's one of the best canned cocktails I've ever had. Wow. I haven't had a ton of canned cocktails cocktails but it's very potent and very good (laughs) it's like I was not expecting it to be so strong (laughs) hello I can't say that I've had many either I have had a couple and they've all disappointed me but I made my own beverage today and I disappointed myself today (laughs) oh no not good I just made a martini, but I don't, well, I don't eat olives and I don't have lemons. So I put a little bit of grapefruit juice in it. And I definitely somehow got the ratio of vodka to vermouth very wrong. Mm -hmm. Oh, I 
don't even know what's in a martini. It's just vodka and vermouth. Yeah. That's it. And then whatever. And then like if you want to throw three, I always like throw lemon in there. I'll take a light lemon slice and put a little sugar on it. That's really good. Sounds good. Or people just throw like olive juice in there if they're really into that. But I'm very much not. Ew. Very not into that. No. I I had a lychee or lychee uh, martini in Miami once. It was so like love that flavor but that was the first martini i'd ever had and i did you the shit out of that <laughs> like yeah. i loved the idea i loved the fruit but i don't know i think i need to have another martini at some point to see if it's actually yeah. like okay. i've never i will make yeah. you one i've tried to start never getting into one. them just because they're two ingredients and really simple to make and also like you know, like locale or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, Minimal I mean, <laughs> alcohol's not good for you, but like, it's okay for you. Um, so I try to get into <laughs> okay. it. And honestly, it's pretty That's good. Jamie. <laughs> Jamie's sign off. It's not good for you, it's but it's okay. okay. <laughs> it's not going to kill you. But like, there's definitely a rule but it might. where like, <laughs> one martini is like, you're feeling good. Two martinis is the sweet spot. And this isn't an entire night. And a whole night. Two martinis is a wow. sweet spot. Three is like too okay. much. Two, two, two. So like two Stick is a sweet two. spot. No more than two in a night. Yeah. That As is I've gotten into my rule. ripe old age of 28. <laughs> well done. I've like tried to find that threshold of like, we're feeling good, but we don't need any more. Yeah. Yes. I'm also learning. We're still going to yeah. sleep okay and wake up feeling yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. It's like I a oh, unicorn. The, <laughs> I know. It's hard. That's exactly lychee, what it is. Mm-hmm. The lychee reminded me. I went to, there's a brand new Shake Shack in um, Fishers. Oh, they opened? <laughs> when I was yeah. there last month, they were not open yet, and we were very disappointed. Fresh. There was some kind of lychee tea there last. I, no. I went with my brother, despite the pandemonium, and um, it was fine. Yeah, the line was not too long, and it was fine. But, yeah, it's funny when they open because it's always, like, everyone's just going crazy for it. And I had never had it before. But I had it one time in Seattle, but that's it. I haven't had it yet, but it is always busy. Always busy. It was was really good. My my full review, which is a concise review, (laughs) (laughs) is that it was really good. I wouldn't wait in an hour-long line for it, but I'd wait in a 20-minute line for it. Okay. Okay. I think that's totally good. respectable. It was good. Yeah. Better I, yeah. than McDonald's. I didn't, get, I didn't get the french fries, and I didn't get a shake. I just got a burger, and I have to say it was good. I did nice. get the shake once, and the shake was also good. <laughs> it was Dang. like a milk. I mean, like, <laughs> there's only so high a milkshake could go. Like, they did yeah. a good job. They didn't mess it up. It was like a milkshake should taste and it was very sad that's kind of how i feel about the burger yeah it's like it's not the best burger i've ever had but it's definitely one of the better burgers yeah. i've had and i'm not like a burger i'm not picky about burgers i was like mm, that's pretty good i'd get that again yeah. it was cheesy. cheesy fun was good <laughs> i mean you need that range right because it's like yeah. if you're in the mood for a burger the next question is like, how far will I go to get this burger? <laughs> you know, like, is this yes. McDonald's? Is this Should Rain I walk City? across the street to Dick's? Place? Or, yeah, yeah exactly. Rain City is like, I would put that a step above Shake mm-hmm. Shack. Just in like, 
Oh, they're I just would fancy. Definitely. They're just yeah, fancy I mean, burgers. They're, and you've got a, they're just they've up got there. a lot more. Yeah. They have a lot more topping options yeah. for sure. And it's like Rain City specific to Seattle. Shake Shack is the it's same everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Today's episode brought to you by <laughs> Desiring a Burger. <laughs> Not a spot. And a gin and tonic. <laughs> and a gin and tonic. Are you ready to get into it? Uh-huh. Jamie, or do you want to sure. chat some more? I can get into it. I don't have much to say, so I can get into Yeah, so I have nothing. It was a... <laughs> you have more than nothing. It was a, a difficult couple weeks with work, just because you guys know this, but I'm just going to explain it to our one other listener who's Woo! not... <laughs> Shout out. You Shout know out. who you are. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know who you are. You will hear this in a couple weeks. <laughs> the only person listening out there. Hey. It'll grow. It'll oh grow. I transitioned into a new job at work, and it's been rough because they're still, like, clinging on to me at my old position. Oh, and, that's um, rough. So basically, haven't had time to do anything. Yeah, it's just been a rough week. So I wanted to talk about... It is May, and I know when this comes out, it will definitely not be May anymore. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to say it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I think that's something that's definitely not talked about enough. Yeah, and it's something sure. that I don't, <laughs> I do and don't focus on enough because I was really stressed out about kind of on Tuesday, I was running around trying to figure out what the heck I was going to talk about because there were like a couple books that I've been reading or read recently that I really didn't like mm. to the point where mm. it was like, do I want to go on this podcast and like bash a book? And I was like, maybe we'll save it. I just feel bad going on and being like, well, I read this book and it was awful. Yeah. So not mm. going to do that. And then and we, well, I d- and we have talked about maybe devoting yeah. some airtime to that, but maybe now Which, it's not the right. Yeah. That can time. be down yeah. the line. We've all, We've all read books that we're not crazy about, but yeah, you know, bashing is maybe not the best idea. Right? The, but I mean, this okay, one that like, I read was so bad. Right. So <laughs> I didn't know how to, like, talk about it without being, like, I, yeah. this is mm-hmm. so bad. Yeah. But anyway, so I was, like, running around trying to figure out what I was going to do, and yesterday I just, like, basically had it. Not with this podcast, but, like, with work and, and mm. everything. It just, like, put me in a spiral, and I think it's just something important to remind ourselves as someone who had an eating disorder in the past, has had depression since I was 19. Like, these are things that, like, aren't talked about enough, and I wasn't Mm -hmm. paying attention to myself, and I wasn't paying attention to my own triggers, and it came to a point this week where I was like, okay, I need to stop, and I need to focus on myself. And I need mm-hmm. to make sure that, like, this is good. Before I do anything else, before I give a shit about work, like, yeah, we need to, like, make sure I'm okay. That's just something I wanted to, like, put out there, like, importance of mental health. I know not everyone mm-hmm. deals with it, but there's a lot of good resources out there for people who maybe don't suffer from mental health and issues and don't know how to maybe talk to their friends who are having a bit hard time or, like, even just understanding someone or being friends with someone enough to be like, okay, maybe I should read a little into like mm-hmm. warning signs of depression. It's something that that's important and needs to be out there. And Definitely. another thing that I would say for people who 
struggle with it. They already know this, but I'm going to say it because I need to say it for (laughs) myself because I have to constantly remind myself that, like, even though, like, yeah, like, the height of my eating disorder was eight years ago at this point, you're never fully recovered from anything. Um, Mm -hmm. And you need to make sure that you're checking in with yourself and when you you need to learn your triggers and you need to to realize that there's a fine line between saying you're doing something for self-care and saying Mm -hmm. you're doing something that's actually negative. So like yesterday, I had been looking forward all week. I was going to go to a bar or a brewery with some friends because a friend's band was playing. I was looking forward to like a group of us going to like watch him play and yesterday I got off work and I was just like I can't do it I'm not going Mm -hmm. so instead I like laid in bed and watched tv for eight hours and then was really mad at myself at the end of the night and had like FOMO and was like how dare they have fun without me and it was like a whole spiraling thing and I had to just kind of sit there at the end of the night and realize like okay I said I wasn't going for self-care what I was really doing was just isolating myself and putting myself yeah. into a negative headspace and like how am I supposed to get better and get out of like the depressive state I've been in without like going out there and it's obviously something that I'm never no one is ever going to be cured of but it's just an important reminder you are never cured <laughs> sorry yeah. that sucks keep doing your thing you're all <laughs> doing amazing but like pay attention to yourself check in with yourself check in with your friends and the last thing I want to say is for your friends who if you do not have it slash do not fully understand it and have friends who are dealing with it just don't treat them like they're glass because they're not Mm because that's definitely something that has put a strain on relationships in the past so that's it that's what I got because I have nothing else and no, I no, was like, literally no, yesterday, someone was like, or maybe it might have honestly been today, I was listening to a podcast and they were like, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And I was like, no shit, really? It's like, well, yeah. I guess I'll no, that's- give a little rambling blurb about that and then I'll call it done. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. No, really, like, honestly, it's very courageous to even acknowledge it within yourself and to put in the work it of trying to a to acknowledge it and then to try to get yourself to a state that will bring more happiness to your life and that like you're never cured like that idea that it's an ongoing journey and there are times that you have to relearn things you thought you already learned Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. can kind of fall off the radar and oh yeah that's yeah there's a lot of forgetting and relearning I, yeah. yeah, I saw I saw something recently someone had posted about something very different, but about trauma and like trauma response and healing from that. And it's kind of like a roller coaster that's like got really steep highs and really steep lows at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And as healing goes on, those highs and lows get like lower and lower, but those dips are still there. Yeah. And you still have to go through them and you still have to pay attention to your body and come back to yourself when the outside things start getting to be too much but healing is ongoing it's not like an end point Mm -hmm. but it does get better it gets it gets better and it gets easier but it's ongoing forever Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and I think it's important from a more depressive standpoint than trauma I'm not exactly sure Mm -hmm. if it's the same but it does get you know lower 
peaks and valleys, but it's important to remind yourself that like you have control over the valleys and you have the mm-hmm. ability to make the valley a lot worse and you have the ability yeah. to mm-hmm. make the valley to just like ride it out. So to not when you are That's in like reminder. having a bad day or like having a bad month or however long it is to just kind of remind yourself like, yeah, it's hard now. It will be over eventually. Try not to like panic almost and make it worse. Yeah. 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 Sink lower. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I can. And, oh, I was just going to say, I can really resonate with the example that you shared too. And I definitely, definitely have examples of doing that in my life as well, where it it's almost like that self-fulfilling prophecy and <laughs> yeah. you know like it's hard too because there are times where I felt like I had to make that stand let's say in a social I don't know an example where like someone's like hey do you want to go out and it's like 10 p.m and you're already in bed and you're and this is something that you need for your own health <laughs> and you're yeah. like well do I go and like do something against what I want to like go keep this friendship alive or whatever do I take a stand for myself mm-hmm. and that's kind of a silly maybe shallow yeah. example of it I, I think another example would but be we're always you... we're always kind of weighing those the different options like when there's a, a choice between staying in and going out you're kind of weighing is it more important for me to listen to myself and stay in or is it more important for me to show up for this friend in this moment it just depends on the circumstance I think yeah and I Yeah, outside of like that one moment, the like feelings where let's say in a friendship, you there's a small group and you feel like, okay, I like you start to get that maybe that insecurity comes back of like, oh, I feel like the odd person out on this group. And then you start to isolate yourself and pull back more. And then you kind of end up creating the environment that that you are afraid of. And then it's just like reinforcement to your brain. Like, look, see, like what's your worth? Nothing, apparently, you know, and it's like being able to kind of stop yourself in the tracks on that or be like, hey, let's try something different. I know it's going to feel really uncomfortable. And like you're putting yourself in a position that doesn't, I don't know, sometimes when you're really doubting your self-worth and feeling really, yeah, down on yourself and insecure in those ways, it can be really hard to do things that feel like advocating for yourself, you know? But even like practicing those little habits and I don't know, just kind of helping to build the case in your mind that that is true, too. I think that's where like control can come in because you can't always control what happens to you in life. But, yeah. you know, there there's control in, in your reaction. Yeah. I guess. But. Mm-hmm. Towing that line between taking care of yourself and also showing up for others and wanting to uplift like you want to be a part of a group and you have friends for a reason and stuff, but also knowing where that line is for like, I really need to stay home tonight to take care of my own inner world. But sometimes doing that too much is like Jamie said, like maybe going out would have been better. For yeah. Headspace like in self that isolating. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. Self isolating is not healthy either. And towing that line yeah. can be really hard. Yeah. Yeah, because there are times where you'll go on that activity or go out or whatever it is, and you're really thankful at the end of the day that you did it. And sometimes you do that, 
and you don't walk away feeling better. <laughs> and you you're know, like, God damn so- it, why did I go out? Like, yeah, yeah. I wish I, yeah or you I sit there in a bad him. mood the whole time, and you're like, meh, 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 and then it's like, okay, why did it come? And I know we're kind of pulling out of the pandemic right now, slowly, but I think everything you mentioned too feels really, I don't know, I, I feel like it's been elevated a lot and just felt really, okay, I'm blanking on words, but <laughs> I, I have felt it personally yeah. in some of those kind of negative and possibly triggering behaviors mm-hmm. more in the pandemic, especially when it comes to like isolation and self-sabotage yeah. and eating and a physical health and yeah all the all of those things like I think sometimes it's like if no one's checking in on you you are the only one that you're holding yourself accountable to Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's fine like that works out and other times you open the door to like let those behaviors that ultimately make you feel really crummy like come back in yeah you know Mm -hmm. self-accountability is definitely something that needs to be learned but is difficult Mm -hmm. to to learn I definitely feel that with like physical activity and getting into exercising and probably even like limiting sugar. Things that are like truly goals for myself and for my health. But when it's just me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. You don't have to do it today. It's <laughs> right. fine. There's and, always tomorrow. And it's mm-hmm. one thing if like you really need to listen to yourself and rest for a day. Mm-hmm. But I know my like I know myself well enough to know when it's that and when it's me resisting myself doing something that would be good for me which is yeah backwards you know yeah 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 yeah. I think I, I think I'm the same way I mean I think a lot of people are that way but yeah I have a really hard time with exercise letting myself have healthy breaks and then knowing when it's become more than a healthy break and it's become like a sluggish period of time mm-hmm. that's not healthy yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mental health. That's hard. I'm really glad you brought it up, though. And I'm, I'm sure it is something we will talk about numerous oh, times will. on this podcast. We will. Yeah. <laughs> One last thing I'd like to say was some people woke up today and that's all they did. But that was really hard for them. So I'd like to congratulate yeah. those people for waking up today. Absolutely. And then I want to yeah, hand the definitely. floor over to whoever's next. <laughs> I'm up, which is no light topic either. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I wanted to... I don't know why I'm laughing. I just feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I do too. We're all okay. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Israel-Palestine conflict because it's big in the news right now, and I'm sure it will be whenever this airs still because it's an ongoing thing. Yeah, so the major podcast that I was listening to, and then I had some others to supplement... But the major one I was listening to was called Martyr Made Podcast, episode one. And he's got six episodes. And I looked and all of them are, the first one is an hour and 45 minutes. And I didn't listen to all of it. The subsequent ones are all longer than an hour. I saw one at least was like five hours long. So <laughs> okay, if you want to listen to all of them, there's a lot of Wait, information Wait, one there. podcast was five hours long? Correct. Wow. Are they all about the Israel-Palestine conflict? The first, the first six episodes are. And then I think he goes on to a different topic, which I don't know which, what it is. But it's a really good... I saw someone else that I follow on Instagram recommended it. And it's a really good, as you can imagine, descriptive history of what has happened. 
Mm -hmm. um, in that area. And so I took notes. I'm ready for this conversation. <laughs> and I do want to preface it that, like, obviously I don't know all of the cultural history and background in that area. But I, I've, like, done my best to try to figure out for myself what is happening there. Yeah. And maybe the two of you can help me, like, interject whatever information you have mm -hmm. also. I don't know as much about the current day situation, but I did learn a lot about the history. Okay, cool. <laughs> and we can touch on current day after because it's, like by the minute over here yeah so. <laughs> totally so the other two podcasts that i listened to to kind of supplement were two of vox's podcasts from today explained um they have one called jerusalem which is about the current tensions and then a, an episode called america and israel which is more about obviously america's kind of role in supporting israel and then i listened to a podcast called dear jenna where she interviewed her dad who is like a master got his master's degree at harvard in middle eastern studies and they lived in the middle east for a long time so he knows a lot about it's i found it to be a very non-biased description wow. of what was happening okay. from both the israeli point of view and the palestinian point of view which is really nice because from america every view is biased. i was gonna say it's very <laughs> difficult to find an unbiased view so that's awesome yeah yeah and he kind of went into like the different news reporters and what they tend to report on. So like Fox will tend to to like be pro-Israel, but CNN will be, pro, you know, pro, yeah, not funding Israel. But anyway, all of those uh, resources will be in the show notes. Yeah, I took, just as like a little background on myself, I took a Israel-Palestine conflict class at Ball State. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Cool. And I remember almost nothing from it, which oh, is no. really sad. I took it as a freshman at Ball State, and I think this kind of goes into the conflict as a whole, but it was like, it was just so overwhelming as a freshman, and there are just so many names, and it was a 15-week class, so you can imagine like the kind of detail we were getting into. Yeah. And I think it was just so intensive that I like forgot everything. Yeah, there are just so many names. There are so many people. There's, yeah. And then I wrote down a couple things that the guy said at the beginning of the Martyr Made podcast that I really resonated with. He was like going into why he wanted to do this project, but he was talking about how like a lot of people are just too busy to understand how complicated this this conflict is mm -hmm. in America. And I really resonated with that and like really a lot of feelings about i mean this this applies to conflicts all over the world but like well this is not really directly affecting me so why should i care about yeah. this um it's not in my everyday life so especially for like the white majority gentile america like we do yeah. not have to think about israel palestine as much as like exactly someone who might be muslim or jewish living in right. america or anywhere in the world hmm. exactly and like really being convicted of those feelings <laughs> and then yeah just like going back to that class that i took like information overload like getting too much information at one time and then feeling almost apathetic to it because it's like too much and so i was really trying to go through on my own this time like figuring out what was going on, but in like not trying to get too deep into the details, not in like a bad way, but like just trying to get mm -hmm. an overview of what was happening for myself mm -hmm. 
and not like Netanyahu and like all these different actors. Yeah. And it's like, it, these are important people to know, but for my brain, it was just too much. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get so, that. Yeah. Start where you to see the so, big picture. First. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have yeah. to see big the big picture, picture before yes. you can. So dive. I apologize if this is like over too like too simplistic. Yeah. So I have a pretty good base of knowledge for Jewish people growing up in like a white Christian home. The Torah and part of the Old Testament are the same, so I know a lot of like the Jewish history. And I don't know as much about the Muslim history, but I mean that's just like already my own American bias showing (laughs) as being like more biased towards Jewish people but I already kind of knew that Jews have been persecuted and have been like a countryless people since essentially since they've been a people forever and knew that like Muslim people are spoken to spoken about in the Bible also as the sons of Ishmael and it's like the two brothers that were like destined for fighting for the rest of their for the rest of eternity and that's kind of all I knew about them and from like a Christian perspective that seems normal because that's like what we grew up learning like oh of course Jews and the Muslims are gonna fight for the rest of eternity and I think that's why so many Christians write it off as it is what it is and that's something that I don't have to deal with I was learning about kind of Obviously, the Jews have been persecuted for thousands of years and blamed, like, all throughout all these different nations, like, from the Romans to the Nazis, like, in mm-hmm. all in between. They're, they've been persecuted for, for, for trouble in the country that they're living, and then if things are going too well, then they're blamed for, like, being too rich and making too much money. <laughs> This term pogroms is something that I learned. It's a targeted violence against the people, and that has been happening for eternity towards Jewish people. Po- Did you say pogrom? Pogrom, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. New word. New word. Okay. <laughs> and so it makes sense to me why Jewish nationalists would finally be like, we want a place to live. We want a home. And Israel has long been a holy land for Jewish people. And it's been a holy land for Jewish people and uh, Muslim people and Christians. But they were like, this is our home. We don't have a home and we want to go here. The problem was people were already living there. And so <laughs> Jews all over Europe mostly, in the time of like World War One, when nationalism was huge in Europe, fighting for your own country was huge that's why world war one broke out (laughs) and jews were like we want a home too and and the crazy thing is that i think in one of the podcasts they were saying that like most jews didn't feel this way they were like well right i am jewish but i'm also british it's not like i'm a jewish person living in exile in great britain Mm. i don't feel like i need to find a new home my home is great britain there was a group of and again it's like it's the it's the extremists that are like we need to kick these people out and we need our own home and they're they were the zionists like yeah yeah. clarification yes yeah sorry and i think the idea too was just like having a nation would help the jewish community be strong because the idea was like there's persecution all over. We're we're a strong mm-hmm. people united. So if like, we're running the show, who can persecute us? Yes, exactly. We deserve a safe space. Right. 
And meanwhile, yeah, World War One was happening where the British and the Americans were aligned against the Germans in the Ottoman Empire. And the Ottoman Empire owned part of Palestine. And, and the Arabs that lived in Palestine did not want to be controlled by the Ottoman Empire anymore. And so the British kind of went behind the Ottomans' backs <laughs> and were like, hey, if you help us kick the Ottoman Empire out, we will give you this country. Or like you can be, you can rule your own selves and you can have your country back and you won't be ruled by anyone. You'll have your like independent state. But what they didn't tell them was that the allies, the, the British and the French, the Americans didn't America. take any, but they didn't take any land in. I think it was just the British and the French, the like, Russians? split up. If they, like, they decided yeah. if they won the war, they were going to split up the Middle East and take different parts. So that's how the British, I didn't understand this before, that's how the British ended up, like, occupying Palestine. Which, <laughs> like, a typical British, they're, like, wrecking havoc all over the place. Yeah. And, it, and that's, like, what starts a lot of the conflict in this area. So mm -hmm. it, it blows my mind that, like, countries thought that they could just take over other countries. <laughs> I don't really understand. And then, oh, in that first um, podcast I listened to, Martyr Made, he was talking about how, like, imagine, this is, like, all over the place. I apologize. <laughs> He's like, imagine, like, Jews coming in to Palestine where people live this is where they live and just being like this is ours now we live here and just kicking people out of their homes it would be like and this is what he said this is not my own like analogy he said it'd be like Mexicans coming in to America and being like the southwest is ours now and um, everyone here needs to leave except that like in that analogy, the Mexicans do have their own country. In this analogy, it's like, where are you people even coming from? Mm. <laughs> it's mm. just, it like, in his point was that for an American, it's like, no matter whether or not you like immigration, that would be really hard as someone living in that area. Like, I like immigration. Come on in. But if someone's like, I want your house and your farm, that's not okay. And that was a good analogy for my small American brain to understand. It's also very similar to us occupying this land. Exactly. I mean, you well, know, like, we came in and we're like, this, this is, is Britain's ours. now. Bye. And then we're like, just. And that's the other point, yeah, that I wanted to make was that Jews treated the Palestines like. The Europeans treated the natives when they arrived here. You don't matter. This is our land. We don't care about whatever traditions you have here. We're smarter than you. Like, like it's just, it's the same thing that's happened all over. And yeah, and I listened to the podcast I listened to today from Ask Jenna. She was talking, or the, her dad was talking about how, like, the way the Palestinians are currently treated in, like, a military-occupied Mm -hmm. Palestine they're just like they're not treated with respect and and they're not looked at like humans it's like the same as the natives they're not I don't know it's just so sad to like listen to reports of that and like this is their homeland that they have have lived they've never known another place and to be treated like they're not they're subhuman is so sad and and disrespectful to be living in a place that's military occupied I just can't imagine. 
But uh, the one other point that I wanted to make was that on Bo- one of Vox's podcasts, I don't remember which one, they they made a point to say that most Jews and Muslims living in this area do not want conflict. And they, they want it to be a multicultural, multi-religious space where they can live. Like, Jews and Muslims <laughs> believe a lot of the same things. And it's such a cool space where so many of them understand more about each other's religion than they do anywhere in the world. And most of them want to coexist and live in this, like, multi-religious space. And it's just really sad that the extremists and the different things that have happened, again, it's, like, such a complicated problem. And I, I would not begin to understand what the solution is. But it's a good point that so many people living there do not want the conflict. Yeah. I feel like Vox's, the podcast episode called Jerusalem really highlights that in a beautiful way. And it, outside of the conflict, yeah, it sounds like this beautiful potential for how I think cities can best thrive as just like, not a melting pot where everyone just like becomes the same thing but very much like toss salad everyone is you know their individual flavor and character but together it's vibrant and everyone's kind of working together like jews respecting ramadan and how holy that is for them and then yeah muslims also respecting and honoring passover and and it's just like Mm -hmm. it's such a they're both such rich religions, and they're very cultural, multicultural, rich religions. And and just imagining them being able to coexist together. And they do. They can coexist together. Yeah. And I think there is many stories of that. And, and one other thing I guess I did want to say is that while the conflict has been going on for so long, there are there are periods of time where it's peaceful, and, and those times don't get highlighted at all. And there, there are many times where neighbors are coexisting together and being able to, to do that. It's just that's not what we are hearing here. Well, and it's not to deny the violence mm, that's mm-hmm. happening as well. It's just like, you know, when I used to hear about the Gaza Strip back in the early aughts, like it sounded like all I pictured was just a war zone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, and I was kind of surprised that there were people left just given all the destruction that we were hearing about, Mm -hmm. much in the same way that I felt when hearing about Syria and just the devastation that was happening there. Like, it's kind of baffling to hear all that and to hear that that it is not just, like, scathed land, just that violence has overtaken completely. You know, it's definitely good to highlight both. Exactly. And I'll also say Vox has a, I think it's like a nine-minute video on YouTube that goes into the history as well that I personally really appreciate Vox. I know their graphics, like we have a friend that is like, okay, there's a lot happening here on these videos, but I think it really highlights everything you shared, Lauren, and also like a lot of history between then and now as well. Mm, Like there mm -hmm. was a treaty in like, what was it, the 90s? Like with Clinton, I think, that was basically like redivided up the land between Israel and Palestine Mm -hmm. but then from what this video says Israel was I think there were there was still conflict and I think from like Israel was maybe pushing in on those boundaries and then there were and Palestine as well like I think one thing that this video highlights is as this violence continues through the ages like that frustration 
continues to grow and that promise of peace between the two of, of the groups that are really fighting and having conflict like it feels farther and farther away from being possible after that treaty and after that redivision you know you have like i think hamas like developed around that time in defense of the gaza strip mm -hmm. because of encroachment from israelites but then you have hamas that's like this is palestine's land and has a like i think what the video stances like israel feels like this is all ours palestine needs to go and then palestine feels like yeah israel needs to go and and so that you know obviously there's still conflicts and then i think i can't remember what it is but there was kind of like a resettlement as well and that's where we're kind of leading to the current situation where israelites have been moving into palestinian land mm -hmm. and basically yeah I think the way it's happening is it's kind of a forced removal. Um, people have many different terms for it, but it's... And they have been trying to yeah. for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Israel has been trying to encroach on Gaza for a very, very, very long mm -hmm. time. And we haven't talked at all about America's role in this, but it is... <laughs> America. <laughs> also complicated. And what I heard over and over again in the different podcasts were like America's role is is that the presidents have said through the years like Israel deserves to uh, defend, defend themselves, themselves. Right? Yeah. yeah and so that is their reasoning for sending billions of dollars every year to support their military and I'm hoping that this changes but yeah America's role is also complicated but I think a lot of it goes back to Christians role and feeling like this weird tie to Jewish people and not really understanding mm. the complexity of, I don't know, everything that's going on. But like just as a person who grew up in a Christian, like kind of suburban place, it's like, oh, yeah, the Jews, we support the Jews. They need a home. See, mm. I've never really understood that. And maybe if I spoke to a Jewish person about this they'd be able to give me more clarity than you guys but I am gonna put this out there to you guys anyway because you know we all have the same God all it is is that right. Christians think Jesus is the prophet Muslims agree that Jesus was a prophet but they think that Muhammad was the final prophet Christians don't recognize Muhammad Jews don't recognize Jesus it's just a line that's all it is yeah. so like I've never understood why Christians have felt so much kinship with people of the Jewish faith and not people of the Muslim faith. And I wonder, like, if Jewish people feel the same kinship with Christians that, like, is it That's the fact that Muslims went a step further? That's why Christians And we're don't, like, oh, we don't do yeah. that. But then, like, then are Jewish people also saying, like, because Christians went a step further than Jewish people. So are yeah. Jewish people like, no. I, I mean, you know what I mean? I wonder how much misinformation plays a part in it, to be honest. And I'm not talking like 2016 misinformation. I'm talking about like for historically for a long time. Because, yeah, like one of one of my really close friends in college, she and I used to have discussions about religion. And she's Muslim and I'm Christian. And we would, we, but like we had really, I don't know, we really enjoyed talking yeah. about it. And we bonded a lot over being some of the more religious people in our group and not I, like for the record not like bible thumping but just like but curious about kind other of practiced religion. faith oh, okay more than oh gotcha yeah and so 
Yeah, and so we, like, I remember us, like, we had this, like, really nice night once where we, I, like, uh, I stayed over at her place and we are like, sitting under the stars, like, talking about, like, uh, <laughs> the differences um, in the religious text, which I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not super well-versed in, I'm not a Bible scholar by any means, yeah. but I think, you know, one thing we talked about a lot was kind of the logic and science that is in the Quran and how it's, it's like, there are shared from other friends that I have also in the Muslim faith. Like I have learned because I haven't read the Quran yet, but the, the first five books of the Bible are also like part of the Muslim faith as well. So mm-hmm. the same thing that technically would bond you like a Christian to it. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, yeah. if you're, thought is we have similarities yeah. because we share this amount of religious text I, I think I think maybe you could argue think, the same no I think it is yeah. misinformation but but yeah. most Christians know like know the Jews of the Bible so they're comfortable with them and don't most don't Christians I would Muhammad. say yeah don't know really much yeah. about the Quran and what's in it, which I don't think is right. right. I think they should. They are so similar, and I think that there is so much kinship that can be found in between. And I do wonder, I mean, we all grew up in kind of middle class or upper, upper middle class areas with, like, decent school systems. And, like, I took a religions class in high school and, again, mm-hmm. in college. And I do wonder how many people out there actually realize that, like, mm-hmm. okay, all three faiths, like, worship the same god like we're all children of yahweh or whatever Hmm. yeah i don't know how many people actually i mean in the know that in the christian bible the people of israel the jews are like the chosen people and the people of ishmael which are the muslims are not the chosen people and i think that's and if the christians are to believe the bible which you can take the bible as it is but this is what i'm saying christians believe if you're t- if you believe that the bible is what it says it is then you believe christians that. are going to be like okay the yeah. jews are the chosen people and that's that i'm not saying and it's jesus, right but and jesus was a jew so if yeah, Jesus I, was a Jew, then we got to love all the Jews. I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to explain why maybe Christians would more align that makes sense. with Jewish yeah. people. Okay. I mean, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense why people. Yeah, yeah and I also feel like any extremist within, it, extremist group within a religion, mm-hmm. it can really represent yes. the entire religion to those who are outside of it and are only seeing so much of it. And I know, like, in recent history, in our, like, I, I know this was pre-9-11 as well, but definitely in post-9-11 U.S., there's been a lot of, you know, ne- negative portrayals of oh, Islamic people. Um, I yeah. remember one of the most vivid memories I have post-9-11, and I don't remember the year, but I think it was a couple of years after, so I'm going to guess 2004 or 2005, was when they tried to open a mosque like a block and a half away maybe from hmm. where the world world trade center stood oh, and yes. i just remember for months in the news it was all protesting and how dare you open a mosque right where the world trade center stood and all this stuff and yeah just the complete alienation and and hatred towards anyone mm-hmm. that was even remotely 
related to or um, had any sort of dealings with the Muslim faith was awful. (laughs) I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm losing my train of thought. But it was just, there was so much unnecessary hatred after that, which I, which definitely played handily into Mm -hmm. Israel and Palestine from America's point of view. And I guess to, to kind of pivot back to like the U.S.'s role in this conflict right now, I think, you know, I'm like not I'm not in the room on this, but the U.S. has a business slash monetary relationship with Israel. And it makes this is a very complicated topic in general, but I think that level adds a lot of complication, even in my own thinking and contemplation of everything that's happening, because on the one hand, it is a reality that this country, as in the U.S., had like there is a lot of Basically, we have a lot of financial ties with a lot of countries that are very strategic. And so I know people are really frustrated by the government being like, why don't you take a stance? Like what's happening there is so unfair to Palestinians. Higher ups in the government are just like, "Mm," like, you know, we have this very important relationship that we're trying to maintain. And I'm not I'm not saying it's okay or not. You know, I just I know that is an element of all this that is weighing very heavily on our and has been for a long time on our involvement because we are financially benefiting from this relationship with Israel. I think about it too. I'm like, okay, beyond the money, like when the U.S. gets involved with countries in that way of like financially fueling the defense of another country, Yeah, there are like multiple layers of that yes it financially benefits us but it it, there are reasons why that happens you know and yeah it just makes me really wonder what what the strategy is there like why Mm -hmm. you know like and I think um, I mean I have my own (laughs) I have some theories on it but I don't know it's complicated but I, I will say as of this recording there has been a ceasefire yeah literally technically went into place Three hours ago, not even. Right. And there are like, and we don't know how long that will last. We don't know anything about that. I know the idea is that if any progress is going to be made here, it's it's going to happen quietly behind closed doors Mm -hmm. with negotiations. And I think for the for the sake of the lives that are being lost in this um, conflict, I think that is a good call. But I don't know. I don't know what will come of all of it and it's hard to say because there have been so so many ceasefires and there have been so many ceasefires that immediately were broken so it's kind of a hold your breath kind of situation Mm -hmm. something else I feel like is worth noting in all of this as well is that it is not there is not unified support within the Jewish community and within the Muslim community on like all Muslims are for Palestine all Jews are for Israel like it's you know that is not the case Mm -hmm. it's it's really varied and I know even like the Jewish community and the Israeli community have their differences like it's you know it's not like Israelites represent all Jews as well you know so it's that's a great point yeah. yeah You know, keep in prayers for everybody that has experienced loss or conflict or turmoil 
during this, it's it's really complicated. I would say I really, aside from the the Vox podcasts and videos, highly recommend. We are not sponsored by them, but <laughs> Trevor Noah, um, I I am a big fan of his, and mm-hmm. he has a segment talking about this, and he really talks about power, and and he talks about the example of when you have so much more power against somebody that you are in conflict with how much do you pull back when they retaliate or how much do you you know Uh and it's a good question that I I think he leaves open-ended in in a meaningful way but I I would recommend checking out that video as well and he he uses the example of like if you're fighting with your younger sibling and your younger sibling hits you and you are much bigger than them like your instinct might be to hit them back but then like but you are so much more powerful than them Mm -hmm. the destruction you will do to them is so much more than they may do back to you and Mm. I I don't know I I get what he's saying I struggle with it a little bit just because I want to give Palestinians like I don't want it to sound like they're like a feeble people. I right. just think like when it comes to military mm. aid, mm-hmm. but they are. What we've heard with reports is yeah. that they're outnumbered, and they are much more impoverished in general of a mm-hmm. nation than Israel's, mm-hmm. based on the amount of support Israel gets from mm-hmm. the global community, and Palestine does not get. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah. it's just like I know we're sitting here as these three women in the U.S. that you could argue should have no opinion on this. But I think it's good to stay informed. And even as we're figuring things out and educating ourselves and learning new information and pivoting on what we thought before, hopefully this just serves as an example that it is okay to just dive into something that seems really complicated there's so many Mm -hmm. news sources out there that are trying to explain and make complicated conflicts that international um, and domestic more digestible Mm -hmm. and you know we try and yeah and And you can have conversations with your friends about something that you don't totally know everything about but just starting to have the conversation is important and being more informed Yeah. yeah And I guess if we didn't state it already, these are just our reflections. We are by no means representing any of our employers, any of our family members. This is just us working through this. Mm-hmm. So. All right, Miss Lisa, I think yeah. it's your turn. All right, y'all. So in a <laughs> totally different note, <laughs> I have... <laughs> I have been diving into Blackish. Uh, it's a TV show that has, I guess, it, currently seven seasons. I think they're doing an eighth season and then calling it and moving on to other maybe ish series. But oh yeah, they already yeah. have not youngish. What's the one? Grownish. Grownish. Thank yeah. you. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Inter- I was just reading an article that was talking about the different. Yeah, the, the, basically the possibilities of the Ish series. Uh, yeah. You oh, could do, I'm not, like, for the, you know, there's... Un, for the uninformed listener, please. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I am not, I, I'll be honest, I'm not super great with names on directors, actors. I did look up some names just so I can try and inform myself. But, like, 
as a baseline. I'm really into <laughs> plots and I just like names fail me sometimes. So Blackish is a show that I believe the showrunner or the creator is Kenya Barris. And I think it's been a really successful show. I think they've won numerous awards. It gets a great rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but they've been around for seven, uh, seven seasons and are either already doing season eight or it's maybe it's already out now. I'm, I'm backtracking because I'm just diving into this, so I'm only on season five right now. Um, only? So, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh my 30 minute episodes it's like okay, one of those where it's like okay, easy to find know. yourself on five you know whatever I mean okay after the office like went off uh, of Netflix this year I what else do you watch I, yeah I know well well I have I mean I have been curious about blackish for a while and I I honestly haven't done my research so I was a little hesitant at first just because like super mainstream sitcoms I get leery. I'm like, is this gonna be good? Like, is it like, yeah. is this gonna feel like authentic? The laugh or is tracks this like... and everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I get worried. I'm like, is this gonna be just like white writers thinking they know what it's like to be black hmm. and writing on that? And obviously, like, I, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, like, that is one hundred percent not a white man. Not the case <laughs> for this show. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I, I think that's something. Like, at first, I was like, mm, I don't know. Like, and then I was in grad school, so TV was not really happening. I I watched Black AF, which is another show of his last year. I think it's on Netflix, okay. um, which is, I think there's only one season out, and I think it came out either in 2020 or 2019. And I, I thought that was really sharp, really witty. Okay. My memory on it is a little fuzzy of if the show is meant to be like Kenya Barris as Kenya Barris or if it's like him as a different character, but basically playing out his life. Mm -hmm. I'm at this moment blinking on that. But it was basically like this successful black family. And I think the premise was the oldest daughter was shooting like a documentary. And so she was, you know, recording her family and um, going through just like different, I don't know, different angles as sitcoms do where each episode is kind of a different theme or a different situation. And I ate that up in like two days or something and was like, that was great. And so, yeah, I started watching Blackish a couple weeks ago and I've been really enjoying it. Basically about the Johnson family and I think they're based in LA. And so you have Andre Johnson, who is in first episode this isn't a huge spoiler he becomes like a vp at the ad agency he works for um and his wife rainbow johnson is a doctor she's actually a um oh my gosh anesthesiologist which for the record i think last time i checked for like the highest paid doctors oh yeah like oh yeah they yeah. are <laughs> yeah. but there's like this running joke that she has to be like i'm a doctor i save lives and they're like you say that a lot and she's like because nobody remembers <laughs> like it's just it's crazy to me that like she she is definitely like has in my eyes like the most renowned career you know and everyone's just like mm, what do you do <laughs> um but it's basically it's it's about their family life um and being I would say it's you know being like it 
it's about a black family in America. So it it goes on a range of, you know, being black in America, but also just like family dynamics. And I think it is educational, but it's also just like, okay, I can't speak as a black person, but I feel like they're also like it, it, it toes that line of being educational for people who are watching it, who are outsiders to that community, as well as being relatable as an insider in that community. Yeah. Um, and and it's just, I mean, the humor is universal, you know, like it, I can relate to family issues. I can relate to workplace struggles. I can it, like, you know, it's I really love the representation, but I think in no way this is a show for just the black community, mm. you know, mm-hmm. like um, I think I think it's great to have shows that are like this is for black people like insecure. I think Issa Rae at times is like this is a show for black people about black people and that's wonderful like keep it it like there's i have i don't it doesn't even matter what my opinion is on that but i have no qualms with that yeah yeah. like because like a good show is a good show and you can learn like there's enough shows that are made for a white audience and black black creators (laughs) can make shows for black audiences and that should yeah. be, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I would argue <laughs> that, like, every show made up until, like, 2015 was predominantly for a white audience. So, yeah. like, I think we're okay. It's enough. <laughs> yeah, we're for okay. all of time. Well, and it's, like, like it doesn't mean it's not it's relatable. And it doesn't mean you can't. Yeah. I, I don't that's know. A good you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's I what think I it's like. Sad that wall that is like, not up. Like, yeah. yeah. I think it's sad that we have to even argue that, like. I haven't. Okay. I haven't heard that directly from anyone. In my eyes, that feels like an example of that really, like, subtle, probably subtle racism in a way of just, like, Oh, I just, I never watched that one. And it's like that one, like, you know, like, but it, I don't know, like with TV shows, like it doesn't mean you have to watch all TV shows, you know, but I think it's, it's interesting how, like, I don't know. Yeah. I think like, we're picking up I'm what just you're putting down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just trailing, trailing. Yeah. But the show is super cute. The kids are amazing. And it, it's hilarious. Oh, and I should say too, um, Dre, uh, the lead, the, the father, his parents basically live with them I think they I don't know if that's the whole time but anyway so you have like Lawrence Fishburne this like legend um being the grandfather and Andre and his dad's like their backstory is like Andre grew up in Compton and then he basically like rose out of the financial situation that he and his family were in of being very like in very modest means like really like getting by um but you know being in the projects to going to Howard University to then getting a job and then to becoming a VP at that company you know and so there's there's a great success story with that but and so a lot of the show especially in the first couple seasons is Dre and Bo as well and and his parents too dealing with how their kids are being raised in a very different setting than that. And like the the oldest son, Junior, gets such shit for this <laughs> because he like when the show starts, he's like 13 and he's really he's like really into like 
wizards and like Lord of the Rings and I don't know if Dungeons and Dragons, but he like they paint him as like this very nerdy kid and it's it's lovely but Dre is like what is wrong with you like this is so white like what I have I taught you nothing like there's a whole episode about teaching Junior about the nod and then like the the no scrunch when like a woman with a fine ass comes by you know like and so there are all these like steps of like coming of age for the kids and also just like parents going through different like the way what they grew up with is very different from how their kids are growing up with in the setting that they're in and trying to learn from that and know those times when it's like, let me bring in my culture and times where it's like, I'm going to learn from you all under the guise of humor is great. <laughs> but the work, oh my God, in the workplace, it's uh, intense. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, I feel like Dre is one of like two or three three like black people in the company and I, I almost feel like as the seasons go on the racism gets more and the, the cringy comments are just like more and more overt but but he like doesn't shy away from it like I would say he has kind of these like stand and listen type of dialogues like or monologues almost every episode so I don't know and then the joke is like he'll say that at work like with these coworkers that are putting these like really backhanded like sentiments all around and then they're like mm, okay Dre and it's it's very poignant of you know like highlighting and it's for the viewer yeah. you know to see that get the basis but I I think it does especially I don't know in 2021 looking back I think it's a very clear example of the ways that racism permeates the work environment and sexism and just like discrimination as well that gets brushed aside and that yeah. people of power can get away with you know and it's it's a running joke but it really hits me at at my core a bit because that running joke is very real and I'm I'm sure that is a feeling that is felt for other parts of the show where I don't have that experience with but I know with the work relationships, like, I'm just like, damn, this, like, to me, it's really good writing because it has that, like, it, it serves it in a lighthearted way where you get it. But then that afterburn is the reality behind it. So it's very insightful while being, like, hilarious at the same time. And then I, I do think I was looking up reviews because I'm like, Okay, how is this show received? You know, there's some reviews out there of frustration about how the seasons have progressed of like Junior, for example, gets way less dorky, like outwardly so. And, and like Diane, the youngest girl is like, <laughs> they like basically joke that she's evil and like she <laughs> softens over time. And I, I don't know, it's, uh, like, I think about that with shows as well, uh, with like characters that develop over time. I, I think about that in current shows because I wonder how much how much that is of like a character arc and how much at times it can be from like public opinion mm, of people yeah. and what's being changed in that and way. And like leaning into certain things and almost like forgetting about these other traits that you introduced at the beginning. And Well I was going to say about that I, I've never seen this, this show obviously and don't know any of the characters mm -hmm. but, but I think like in a normal boy's life like a lot of boys are really dorky when they're little and just like through growing up become less so because it's not 
because they want to be quote unquote normal or like fit into their group or whatever and so yeah it's like well how much of this is like trying to portray like an actual kid like growing up and becoming less dorky Mm -hmm. or like are they writing it away because it's the pervasive culture i don't know it's that's an interesting thought yeah that's interesting because his character arc is that he starts off in Oh, spoilers coming for anyone who has not uh, watched this thus far. Most of what I stated was pretty, like, season one. Yeah. But um, anyway, so he starts off, like, in a private school and has a lot of friends that are white. And I guess you could argue that, like, he's just growing up in the surrounding that he's in. And if all his friends are, like, really into Lord of the Rings, like, there's a good chance he'll absorb that as well. You know, and in the progression of the show his his dad and his family they're trying to educate the kids more on black culture but also like about oppression as well and and then at some point in the show this is a spoiler he leaves that private school and ends up going to public school and i think like what like at first everyone's all scared because they're like oh my god you're gonna go to an la public school like no one does that you know and there's like all this like racism there too they're like oh um is that safe you know and you're like okay but then he goes and he comes back at the end of the day and he's like you know that warm fuzzy feeling you get when you belong I felt that today all today and like yeah and it like and he finds this middle ground of like I can still be myself still be dorky still be geeky but then I can also enjoy and embrace my blackness and I think that is the correct progression that I've been picking up on in the show of him learning more about his black culture and then seeing that kind of evolve into like how he's growing up how he's learning about who he is yeah and how it informs kind of where he goes but it's not like those things can't be done in tandem I think even with the shows like there's only so much airtime for a show I get there are times where it's like we want to lean into this side of this character more than this other side. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a choice they made. Or maybe there was a showrunner the first three seasons that like really cared about this one part of the person and new writers come in, new showrunners come in and things change. One thing I would add just as someone who has crushes on everyone is that Tracy Ellis Ross, who plays Rainbow, is just most amazing human being in the entire world and i highly recommend her as an instagram follow anything else you want to like follow or read up on she does a lot of interviews all the time and podcasts and she's just i'm obsessed with her and in love with her and that's it that's all i'd like to add yeah she's the best rainbow is an incredible name (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so her parents were like ultra hippies like so there's like her sibling so there's like rainbow and then she has a brother whose name is I think Johan and then her sister's name is like Santa Monica Um, and they're just like what is happening with this family (laughs) and doesn't Rashida Jones play her sister or am I making it up okay yes it's like I think I saw her I have not watched the show but I have seen probably 10 episodes in passing or so Mm -hmm. just throughout the whole entire run randomly I was like I swear I saw Rashida Jones on there before they've had really great cameos i mean the the cast is awesome like uh, yeah i know tracy ellis ross has 
been around for a while. Yeah. Jennifer Lewis, Lawrence Fishburne, if like yeah. yeah. Um I also really like the oldest daughter Yara Shahidi. Mm-hmm. Um she I think she ends up being the star or at least one of the four in Grownish where they basically it's a spin-off. Um yeah, I don't know if I ever finished that thought, but the the whole it's something that Varys can run with and so they did Mixed-ish which only went for two seasons, but then they did Grownish, which I think has been more than that. And then I read this article today that was talking about possibly like a Latin spin of it. It's super okay. early on, so we don't know. There was also like an old spin, so it'd be like old-ish, or you know, potentially you could do like queer-ish. And so I think he's like, we can make it work, any of it. Um, so we'll just oh, see what ABC I, picks up. Sorry, I got on a. Hmm. Google tangents of my own because I was like I've definitely heard of mixed dish but I could not place it but it's about rainbow growing up in like the 70s with a white dad and a black mom Ooh, 70s maybe 80s I don't know my math timelines they don't add up all the time yeah <laughs> clearly I I I want more of that content I I really appreciate I would say a lot of the Netflix and Hulu, but just like content that I'm seeing that's coming out that's geared towards high schoolers today, because I feel like what I've seen even on like just like Netflix journeys with my roommate is like way, it's a way more representative and inclusive environment that resonates more with my experience in middle school and high school than what I've seen in the past. And I think, I think our world is, our country is continuing to grow. And I just love seeing that like be represented in the entertainment industry and not in a superficial way of like, Oh, here is like a quota we're trying to fill (laughs) or here is like a background character really, truly like, and Jenny, is it, Georgia and Jenny, Jenny and Georgia, the show. Yeah, Jenny and Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, like they, I mean, there are so many racial dynamics in the different relationships on that show are just (laughs) resonate like so much. And I just appreciate all the representation that it brings because, yeah, like there is complications. Like there's, you know, there are two characters one who is one who's biracial one who is I think he's Taiwanese um Taiwanese American and at some point they get into an argument because like they're both historically like their people are both historically oppressed but then there's tension in like not seeing eye to eye on how to live in a world or in a country that oppresses your people and then they have this point where they're like what do you want to do like an oppression Olympics like you know like Uh and it just brings another level of like there's so much in this world there's so much it's nice to see relationships that are not just like he wants me and I don't want him like (laughs) okay great (laughs) there's a lot more to life than that that. anything anything else check it out (laughs) (laughs) well do you said it's on Netflix it's on Hulu it's on Hulu Uh, even mm-hmm. better. Well, not even better, yeah. but like equally the same. <laughs> equally. <laughs> well, and if if you don't have Hulu and you have Netflix, I think Black AF is also really good. Okay. Um, that was my kind of door into Kenya Barris, uh, his work. So 
Yeah. Cool. It's a good option, too. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been talking anything, for a while. Anything else? <laughs> Do we have so. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have anything that's inspiring you or bringing you joy that you want to share with us, please send us an email at wrdpod at gmail.com. Maybe we'll feature you on the pod. And follow us on Instagram at wrdpod as well. If you're looking for more information, you can find all of our show notes and more on our website, whatyoureadanddo.com. Music for this podcast was created by Kalindo. You can follow him on Instagram at the Real Kalindo. Stay inspired and we'll see you next week.